Today's episode of Voidfarer Uncharted is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you're going to get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at podgo.co. And be sure to tell them Tales of the Voidfarer sent you. Nice. That's that's staying on the track. <laughs> I can do this all night. It's gonna be the very first thing. <laughs> I, I have to like make myself project my yells into our living room rather than turning to yell at him. <laughs> Hi, Hi Mia. Mia. That's gonna be a recurring thing here. <laughs> She's been wanting to be on our podcast lately. I think it's because the weather's nice. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I see. It's that podcasting weather. (laughs) Yeah. Is that what this is? Anyway. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Voidfarer Uncharted. It feels like fucking forever since we've done one of these because chapter four was so long. Yeah, right. Yeah, but we're between chapters now, so we figured this is our time to chill and talk about it because we can all talk about D&D forever, so we might as well record it. But anyway, I'm joined by the usual suspects, Tanner, Fiona, Tom, and Mia. And Mia. Interesting. Mm. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) And I think that's it. How late I come in the fucking order. Is it because I can't talk about D&D forever? Are you punishing me for hating the game? Yes, I am. And of course, Sakers here too. Hi. Glad I got top billing. Yeah, yeah. for real. <laughs> Good on you. Yeah, right. Luckbeak was so like pivotal to like that last episode that I just needed to like take you down a couple pegs. Oh, thank you. Okay, great. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> this is all about equity of uh of you know, for every for every minute of screen time I get, you have mm-hmm. to give a minute to each of the other characters. Yeah, I have an Excel spreadsheet to keep track of it. Oh Jesus. I would <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be surprised knowing you, Nick. <laughs> Uh, shit. Anyway, uh, (laughs) so yeah, uh, this chapter was by far our longest yet at 14 episodes. The only other one that came close was chapter two with nine. So yeah, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, the first thing I wanted to kind of hit on is, uh, How's everybody feeling about the adventure so far? You know, just the the progression that we've made (laughs) since chapter three. Bad. (laughs) Tom's just like, it fucking sucked. Yeah, dude. It sucks, man. Even if I did hate it, how shitty would that be to be like, I don't know. This is the first time I've told you like I hate the game. <laughs> like yeah. on on air. <laughs> oh, this sucks, I dread dude. it every every <laughs> session. Yeah. At at the end of uh, on our other podcast, like when you're getting um XP at the end of the session since it's a powered by the apocalypse game, one of the questions is like, did you have fun? And Roger would like always answer no. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I'd be like, so- I'm hoping you're joking, but <laughs> 
By the way, go listen to Fables Around the Table Lost. The final episode just released. Uh, well, by the time you're listening to this, it would have been last week. But uh, at the time of this recording, it released like hours ago. God. So yeah. <laughs> Every time I see you tweeting like uh, or, or or mentioning like, oh, I'm, I'm editing the final episode of Lost. I keep thinking like, fuck, wait, can I talk to Fiona about Lost? Like what? What character do you like, Locke? Like I, I have never seen oh. Lost, but Roger is a huge fan of my Lost. dude. I'm a Lost simp. Mm. I'm there. I'm with Roger. <laughs> <laughs> a Lost. I like that. A Lost. A Lost. Zeker, do you even energy. know what that word means? Yeah, uh, it means simpleton, right? It means I'm, I'm really, you know, not very bright for Lost. Strangely enough, that's not too far off. <laughs> it's pretty close. <laughs> anyway, anybody wants to talk lost? It's all been done podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> Just flood his inbox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, season Decade two is going to do every episode lost of Lost. Theories. Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> so. To try to answer Nick's question. Um, I did ask a question, didn't I? You, you did <laughs> ask a question about, you know, how we're feeling after the season. And I, the first thing that kind of popped into my mind for myself was that I find it very interesting that this season was, like, simultaneously kind of the most isolating, like, we are set so far apart from this rest of this universe we've been exploring, but at the same time, get a lot of really fascinating information about the universe from our lich friend, or lick, if you will. We no, won't. it is, no one says <laughs> lick. <We won't. laughs> no, nope, it's a lick. I'm gonna make this stick. My faux pas from before will stick. It will be a lick. It's gonna be a lick in good time. But regardless, that you get a lot of information. Did about lick it. end up in the episode? Uh, Did it? We, we, had, it we joked about it. Yeah. Okay. It it at no point unironically made it in. <laughs> okay. We we joked about it plenty, <laughs> and that is still kind of holding true right now. <laughs> All right, I think I interrupted you. Sorry, Terry. It's okay, but as I was actually, what I was saying is like, you get a lot of very interesting information of the universe from our our Lich Archon friend. You get like a lot of really good character development moments, not just from Brohane, but for Ravnus and Luckbeak as well. Um, so while it was like kind of like the most isolating, it was also kind of like the most revealing to me. It was very, to me, it was a very, mm-hmm. it was probably one of our best seasons in terms of just, character development and world building from a very isolated setting yeah i i know i'm a little bit biased for this chapter because nick and tom like loosely based it on my all-time favorite movie um (laughs) but yeah i really liked this chapter a lot oh that's interesting that you say uh character development tanner because i feel like ravness in a lot of interesting ways has gone sort of like in an unexpected character development direction where she's not like growing as a person. She's, she's almost like regressing as a person and like these like bad qualities are coming out of her. But I'm, I'm really excited to see that because she, uh, she's a very like stoic character who doesn't have a lot of like, you know, outward facing emotions. So it's been fun to sort of like play that this chapter. Yeah. I, I, I like, well, first up, I did not, I was not aware that this uh, chapter was, Based on Babe Pig in the City, which is like really <laughs> cool uh, that you did. That. If anybody I'm a knows big Fiona, George Miller fan. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I did. I liked how grounded. I mean, I I I str- I kind of struggle with fantasy some of the time, and I do love sci-fi, but I still get confused because I uh, I'm a simp, 
Uh, and I, um, I, you know, w- w- like when, when Luckbeak was letting that dude off into the, off of the port that he killed, um, you know, I, I kept thinking of it as an ocean when of course it was space. This was a really grounded chapter that felt like, okay, I know where I am. I'm on the ground. We're in this, like, I'm just going to think of it like a big truck and like, I got it. I can do this. I understand this part, uh, which Despite I, I enjoy- calling it a boat uh, every opportunity. <laughs> I think, yeah, we, we did call it a boat. Um, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about, uh, you two levels ago coming to me and saying, Hey, I think Luckbeak wants to multi-class into gunslinger. (laughs) And then that single-handedly led to the creation of Locke as a character that, uh, was just there to teach you how to use guns. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then he ended up being like, so kind of pivotal to the whole chapter. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, Saker, how dare you? (laughs) Wouldn't be the first time someone said that to me. Um, I, I, I I liked, I I mean, I feel, and I was on your side at first. I thought Locke was, uh, I mean, because I knew that he was kind of like my plot device and I felt like it was kind of a cheap thing. And I felt very selfish for him even being in the plot, but the more he happened, the cooler I thought he was. And at the end, when he said, "Like, no, I'm not coming with, I'm not coming with you," like I was like, "Oh <laughs> man, that's that's a re- that's a bummer." And I, I unexpected, he snuck up on me a little bit. I did like Locke uh-huh. in the end quite a bit. <laughs> I I had to laugh going back and listening to the the first episode of the chapter where I introduced him and like. You know, I'm, I'm just describing him like standing there smoking a cigarette and all that stuff. And like you were joking about like, you know, how stereotypical he was and all that <laughs> stuff. And then he grew into that character that was like when he's leaving now, it's like, oh, all right. I, I, so yeah. I, have a, I have a question for both Fiona and Saker for the fact that you both had very interesting ships that came out of this, and I don't mean that as in flying <laughs> ships, as in Luckbeak and Locke and Ezerath and Ravnus. I am here hardcore shipping both of them for various reasons. Mm. Like, what do you all think about... <laughs> and, and honestly, oh, see, this I'm on the Loch Ness train. The Loch Ness monster. I'm still for Turtle Soup, monster personally. does have the best name. Yeah. It's like Turtle Soup and then Loch Ness Monster on, like, good mm-hmm. ship names. But, um... <laughs> um in seriousness, though, like you, this could either be jokingly as in, oh, I ship that or as in like the relationship between those characters. But I think those were big parts of the last season. So I was kind of curious your thoughts on like the relationship with that character. I'm, I'm honestly not sure how much I'm joking about Ravnus getting together with Azeroth. <laughs> I, I don't really know if I'm joking or not. Um that's good. That's just gonna have to play out, I think. Because I, 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 I like, I, I like jokingly ship my 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 characters with like every other character in every game, and then like it stops being a joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I definitely uh, do not <laughs> see Luck and and Luckbeak as a as a pairing. I think simply because uh, Luckbeak is very very closed off, and I think. To also just anatomically. Oh, good lord! I was wondering who was going to take it there, and I am um, not surprised it was Tom. <laughs> I, I, I do think, and obviously, this is no diss on Tanner's question, which is a very serious and scholarly question. Um, but I think you know, for 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 Luckbeak to just start opening up to people, and I mean, he gave Locke a hug in this chapter, which is like mm-hmm. the most contact he's had with someone in a long time. Uh, to make that immediately jump to a romantic uh, conclusion with it almost cheapens it, I think, in a way. 
where yeah. you know to have these platonic uh sort of relationships with people is is i think important to his character yeah yeah they're bros um, they're bros but, yeah but to my mm-hmm. point to the question too it was also expanding beyond just the joking shippiness and also what you think of the relationship itself and i re- I, I like the idea of just the platonicness of of Locke and luckbeat's kind of connection there. Mm-hmm. yeah i think he's i mean he he sees him as you know somebody he desperately wants to impress and a mentor uh, in a lot of ways. And I don't think that that was just like the trope of Nick adding him in specifically as a mentor for me. Uh, because I, I think he, you know, he's cool. <laughs> I, I hate that he's cool because he was designed to be cool, which sucks. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's cool. So. No, I, I think it, it ended up being like everything just sort of fell into place with that character. Um, and, and like, I love GIF in general. They're big and goofy and mm. being able to like take the the GIF that are typically like the British military, you know, tropes like, you know, the big game hunter like sort of thing and then do something that was more like Western gunslinger inspired uh, was super interesting to me. And then like the way you described like Luckbeak's perception of him and the way that evolved over the chapter was great um i couldn't have planned that you know what i mean and um i I, on it and tom can attest to this that like i had waffled back and forth on or at least there was a brief time where i was considering having Locke go with you guys on the void fair because like introducing a gift character on the void fair was something that i had been kicking around anyway but I think it works so much better that he didn't because you've established that friendship and then it's now he's going to go away. And then right. that gives him the opportunity to do cool stuff and run into you guys later at another opportunity um, that where it makes sense and would be cool for the story. So um, I think that that makes it feel um, a little bit more real and a little bit uh, more interesting than he's just part of the Void Fair. I'm I'm excited for that uh, sort of uh, Luckbeak second absence makes the heart grow fonder moment because we did mm-hmm. introduce uh, Merrick at the end of this chapter yeah. as well, which is a big, huge thing for Luckbeak and maybe contrasting his relationship with Merrick and his relationship with Locke in the future could be an interesting mm-hmm. uh, point for him. Yeah, um, having Merrick re-enter the story in the way that he did was something—an <laughs> well, idea I had for, had for a while. Let's be clear: was... Ent- enter the story, re-enter the story is giving my backstory nine pages that I sent you a lot of credit. <laughs> right, fine. Uh, yeah, ha- like I, I re-enter Luckbeak's story. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah uh, is what I meant. Um, having have doing it in that way where he just like shows up and blows your cover <laughs> fuck was was something i wanted to happen for a while and it was just a matter of like when it was going to be it was actually something i considered doing back in chapter three and uh tom suggested we we sit on it a little bit longer and i think i think it was for the better it's weird i, I think i do agree with you in the end it's so hard for me to like, I love role-playing games. I love role-playing games a lot. And, uh, my, like, my friend is playing an Estrad game right now, and he's unhappy with it because, uh, in his view, you know, all these, him and his friends made characters, and they're going through the Strahd module, like, raw, like, just, like, mm-hmm. straight up as it is, and they mm-hmm. feel like they are interlopers in a plot that has nothing to do with them, right? And so mm-hmm. it's difficult because they're just, like, people, and Strahd has his things going on, and, like, all this stuff yeah. is happening. And, and, you know, in some respect, that's not how I feel about this game, but I do feel like, you know, 
you know, th- these characters have dimensionality beyond the scope of the game, right? And and mm-hmm. now that we're hitting chapters three and four, and that's coming out more and more, it's good that it was held, and it makes the game so much more rewarding for me to finally see our stuff happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, and, yeah. And, I, and I think the viewers will probably get that too. That that same sort of reward rewardingness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's an interesting thing about like specifically D and D actual play podcasts that I've known, or just actual play shows in general. Really, that like so much of the culture and so much of the trend is like your DMs like D and D world and all the cool stuff that they can bring mm-hmm. in. Um. So like. So, and like I, I when I do actual play stuff I tend to like very much not be like that you know the story is very much centered around like certain themes I pick out of like people's backstories and stuff like that um, but it is a super interesting contrast that like so much of the show is about like world building and things like that that like you know we're all we're all the characters and we're the ones who are in like many ways driving like the moment to moment story forward but there really is a whole world like revolving around mm-hmm. us a whole universe really yeah and i think it's like very much falling in the genre of story where we do care about the characters like the characters matter a lot but like a lot of the appeal is the ch- chance to, like explore this cool and interesting world through these very individual eyes um, and, like, through their eyes, you can sort of, like, feel immersed into this very different world with lots of, like, cool stuff and mystery and all that. Yeah, for sure. It's one of those things that I've I've intentionally tried to have that balancing act because, um, like, we want to show off, like, Spelljammer and especially, like, our take on Spelljammer and our setting. But the story... Um, very much follows the characters, you know, uh, and and it is a D and D game. Like the player characters are the main characters of the story, so it's that balance of like introducing lore elements, but also uh, having character development and character arcs and those character driven moments as well. And uh, I think we're like in in chapters three and four, especially like we're kind of falling into a really good balance of that, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, um, do we want to answer a question? Let's answer questions. I'm ready for some question answers. If we must. From our loyal <laughs> we followers. Could, we could keep talking about the show Lost the Odds. <laughs> oh, hell yes. I am in. Oh, my God. <laughs> I never watched a single episode of that show. Dude. Ne- I, neither I haven't I. either. Y'all are no. missing out. I just rewatched it over quarantine because <laughs> my partner had never seen it. And it, it still slaps. 100% slaps. It's such a good show. <laughs> All I know is there's a fog monster. That is basically it. Uh, and J.J. Abrams Polar did. bear at one point? I don't know. I just know it through cultural zeitgeist. Yeah, that's that's fair <laughs> enough. Those, those are the two people. I, I did, as a writing tutor in college, someone's essay did tell me the ending. So I was like waiting to watch until I had forgotten. I think I've basically forgotten oh. it. So I, I may pick it up at Hell some yeah, point. good time to do it. Right? You know my number. Text me anytime. <laughs> <laughs> we'll virtually watch all of Lost together. <laughs> Perfect. That's a commitment. Yeah, I was gonna, but, uh, yeah, that is a commitment. Just thinking in my head, no fucking way. But <laughs> I would love to pretend to watch it with you and read the Wikipedia entries yeah. for each episode. <laughs> for, uh, for all of our audience, they can pretend that that is in fact what yep, they yep, yep. are doing in our spare time, <laughs> is watching Lost together. <laughs> 
when they're not watching Lost, we keep them in the cryo chamber. <laughs> <laughs> um all right so uh we have a question from a patron oh that's right we have launched our patreon and you can go to patreon.com slash project derailed to support our show and fables around the table and big streaming pile and the other cool stuff that project Derailed does but one of the cool perks that you get as a patron is when we do these q a episodes uh your questions have priority you know, we do our best to get to a, as many questions as we can, but being a patron is one way to ensure that we will, in fact, get to yours. And so we have a question from our patron, Colleen Ferguson, who asks, Colleen. <laughs> Colleen. Uh, also, Colleen. as an undocumented bonus of the Patreon, Nick will misspell your name in our documents <laughs> and accidentally create your first sentence. And we like, and we... And we know Colleen too. That's the worst part is that yeah. we personally know Colleen. Way to call we him out. <laughs> Saker, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I thought I was off the hook there for a second. Oh my I God. should have known better. Why? Uh, we were going to let Colleen <laughs> and the whole world know. Yeah. <laughs> Look, but uh, are your, hard. your persona, Colleen, <laughs> is just your name, but the beginning of your last name is just spelled like fur. <laughs> So you're welcome. First on a Gus. <laughs> All right. We're, we're 20 minutes in. Yeah. Ask a question. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's get to these this questions. Is, this is the so. content that Colleen is paying. For. Yeah, right. this is what she paid for. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, Colleen asks, what was your favorite moment of character growth in this last season? Oh, this is easy peasy for me. Um, this seems super like minor, especially considering uh, I think all the growth that all the characters went through. Uh, but I think the the little moments um, are great to me. And um, it's for me when Ravnus uh, decided that she was sharing a room with Luckbeak, that we would all sleep in the same room together. <laughs> and the, I mean, because I felt like that sort of up to that point, I think the relationship between them was that they were becoming closer. And I, th I think there was clearly a friendship between them. But I think in a lot of ways that cemented the idea for Luckbeak. And I mean, I, I love positive and negative character growth, but that cemented the idea to Luckbeak that she's like, maybe perhaps comes from a culture that is too foreign to even understand. Like she does not <laughs> uh. understand this simple thing of like, we are, there's so many rooms here. Go away. Don't you have private time? Don't you <laughs> understand what it means for other people to be alone for a little while? Like if, the, if, if their time outside the board fair ever ends, it's like, you know, they, they can't be friends because she'll just be at his house all the time. Like, <laughs> but I, I love it. it made me she'll laugh. be in his bedroom all the time. <laughs> for real. Uh, so yeah, it, it made me laugh. And I think it was a great insight into Ravnus's character. And I love the huge, fucking character choice of just like I'm just gonna stand here and awkwardly look at you um, <laughs> I loved it I thought it was so yeah, good yeah I loved that too it was such a great choice yeah. Fiona <laughs> I actually wrote that down when when we were talking about the different rooms I did in fact write down that I wanted to do that because I thought that would be a fun <laughs> moment um, but yeah I try to like keep in mind that Ravnus is like in many ways the most alien of at least the PCs um, she really is from like a very different just mindset and culture compared to uh, just about everyone else. And we're sort of getting it with Ezerath, but even Ezerath and, you know, the Githserai versus like the Pirate of Gith are 
wildly different cultures. Um, and I also like to play extremely weird, awkward characters. <laughs> so playing like an alien on, you know, a space show seemed pretty fun and good. Um, so it's been, it's been fun having those like strange moments where like Ravnus is trying to navigate what everyone else thinks is normal. And like, she just does weird and strange things because she's kind of like a weird and strange gal. But I love her, <laughs> and it makes my sweet baby. And it makes sense too because, like, n- gr- not only just being a, a a gift, but growing up from childhood on a pirate of gift ship, like she yeah. she bumped yeah. with other crewmates the entire time. Yeah, it, like, it was like yeah. very strange. Yeah, I think it was sort of like a strange and upsetting experience to like have this big room like all to herself. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that there was like something that she felt was like missing there like it was too quiet it was too alone um so i think that that was sort of like a a real like fish out of water experience for my gal yeah um in the case of marco i actually wrote down here for this question um i don't think he had a lot of character development this past season and that's kind of okay um Mm -hmm. (laughs) for the most part i mean Marco's utilitarian function for season four was to give Brohane someone to talk to so that he could kind of express himself. And in that way, I do like that our relationship, the relationship of Marco and Brohane grew a bit. Um, But other times it was to be the knowledgeable one and to collect the information of the universe and to collect the information that was needed to be gathered. Um, But in terms of character growth, I don't think really a lot happened with Marco um, but that's not a bad thing. That can come up in future seasons, and I know that it is for a XYZ reason. Um, I do think that there is one kind of under, like a little bit of an underrated scene, um, in my mind, of Marco either growing or regressing, and it's kind of up in the air on what that is, and that is the fact that he did lie to Diago, um, to protect Luckbeak. Um, mm-hmm. and that wasn't even a half truth. It was he blatantly lied to Diago in order to protect his friend. At the same time, that could also still be thinking of himself and thinking of his academic pursuit. So which which is which, it's kind of up in the air. But that would probably be at least my favorite moment in terms of Marco's um, either growth or regression. Yeah. Yeah, see, I actually feel like Marco grew in, like, subtle but interesting ways this season because, like, in other seasons, Marco was sort of able to just, like, go along with his uh, with his own pursuits. Like, he was, like in a group with a pirate ship, whatever, everyone sort of knew that like what he really wanted to do was all this other stuff. But now that he is established within that world, he's having to sort of like act politically. And that was um, something really interesting. I thought to see Marco do. That is very interesting. Yeah. The other really cool thing about that scene uh, with Diego that I picked up on and thought it was really fascinating is like, even when he was like, Hey, here's all this stuff we, found uh <laughs> do you want it we back found it. and then only after did diego say like okay you could keep it did marco say and there's also this ring <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it shows that like 
Marco was willing to like if Diego's like, oh, thanks for returning these. We'll make sure they get put back safely. Marco was just going to be like, all right, I'm not going to say anything about the ring now uh, <laughs> yeah. because yep. the ring with, with Cyrus in it is just so important that Marco is going to be deceptive and just choose to omit that information to Diego if uh, if he felt like it didn't suit him, which uh, I think is very indicative of the way that uh, Marco's attitude towards those things are is kind of evolving slightly. Yeah. As we said in uh, the listen party, this uh, this group is really hard to give loot to because they keep trying to give yeah. it back. I know. <laughs> I'm like, here's a bunch of cool magic items. And the only one you take is the quill that just writes stuff you said. Man, I said, well, yeah, we need that one. I took five fucking items and none of them are good for me. They all just do bullshit that I don't want. You give us a staff of power or a jar that like endlessly creates mayonnaise. I mean, we have to give the staff back, but the jar, yeah. uh-uh, we, that's, that's staying. No, the yeah. the one item that I put in the pile, like with Luckbeak in mind, was like the little mini like bag of holding, yeah, uh, like coin purse, yeah, that I still didn't. Take. That also had a bunch of gold in it. Well, <laughs> uh, so, well. Uh, yeah. See, Ravnus is are easy because they're the biggest weapon. I'm like. Yeah. Nick wanted me to take that one. I can follow instructions. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked the, um, like, in terms of NPC character development, I enjoyed the kind of dumb arc of Brawla and Brohane. I know. Where <laughs> Brawla kept hitting on Brohane, and then the resolution was she banged his uncle. <laughs> That she was going to be gonna... my answer, Tom. <laughs> well, get Rex. <laughs> she was going to uh, get her hands on a dwarf in some way or another. Geez. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She wanted herself some of that uh, <laughs> that Windhelm magic. <laughs> Thomas. Uh, I guess it was the Moonhammer magic because the uncle. This yeah, complicated yeah, board com- politics. Yeah. She, she wanted Windhelm dwarf magic. Bangers. She got the Moonhammer hammer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, uh. <laughs> is it too late to quit this podcast <laughs> uh. I'm sorry we're 16 or I'm 16 uh. no, no 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 it's I am too it's fine <laughs> but uh I really like like Luckbeak's little little arc um because it is very much that his, his whole thing with Locke and then it was very much like a, a mentor protege relationship as well but I think it was also just like Luckbeak um let it bring letting someone get close like you know uh you know make becoming good friends with someone and it kind of mirrors the journey that he's been making with marco and ravenous as well you know kind of showing that you can go from like you know who's this asshole he thinks he's way cooler than he is to (laughs) bro (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) fucking love you bro yeah uh (laughs) definitely yeah, so like just at Luckbeak having that little arc. And then and then I'm super interested to see like I guess the comparison from like that relationship, like a new friend that was made to the reintroduction of yeah. Merrick, uh and and that sort of thing and all the complications that that might bring. I'm I'm very excited for the complications that Merrick is going to bring. Uh I yeah. just yeah, I'm 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 psyched to get that moving. That'll be fun. Yeah. Cool. All right, I think uh, I think we answered Colleen's question. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. let's Colleen. Colleen, uh, let's jump 
over to questions we got from Discord. Hey, if you want to hang out with us between episodes and stuff, you can join the Project Derailed community Discord by going to projectderailed.com slash Discord. I'm getting real good at plugging shit. <laughs> I see that. <laughs> yeah. I see you've reminded yourself. We really are on there probably too much talking about things that have absolutely nothing to do I with I know. Anything. Like, if you if you want to talk about bugs, like, nonstop, join our Discord. I can't explain how this became our brand, but it did. <laughs> um, we're friends with Caitlin. That's how. If you talk enough on the Discord, you get your own room in the Discord. Is how it works. You you just, yeah. If you trend. if you are like if you are hyper hyper interested in a single topic, we will give you your own room to talk it, about it. Does, it. It's, it's a beautiful, <laughs> friendly thing, but it also does feel like okay. You go over here. You're not in general discussion anymore. <laughs> go to your little terrarium, and we'll check in uh, on you. But then those are the most active rooms. Oh, though, is the thing is yeah. that like everyone goes over to those yeah. rooms to talk about that yep. stuff. <laughs> all righty then um so we have some questions from max um do we just want to go straight down the list on these or uh yeah i like that sure. anybody have a yeah, preference sure. yeah all right so uh in the order that uh that we got them uh this is a question for myself and tom uh what were our inspirations for the setting and npcs for this chapter and uh, where did the idea for Locke come from? Uh, well, we we talked about Locke. Uh, Locke was entirely there because Saker asked uh, if he could multi-class into Gunslinger, which meant the story needed a way for Luckbeak to learn how to use guns. Um, but also, GIF are cool. Uh, they're they're one of my favorite parts of the Spelljammer setting, and um, the idea to do kind of an atypical GIF of more of like the Western you know kind of tropes was too good of a an opportunity to pass up so it's clearly also channeling there some of like the tom hardy fury road vibes yeah which was like the biggest inspiration for the the whole chapter the mad max fury road uh just the the whole like you know that first sequence where the the storm rig is driving into this swirling arcane storm is just very much me just going Mad Max Fury Road. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and we wanted to explore like other aspects of the setting, you know, so like since so much of the the, the setting so far has been just on the Void Fair, which is great. I love the Void Fair and I'm excited to get back. But uh, we also wanted to explore like some of the planets and uh, and and other interesting environments and, and stuff like that. So doing this. uh entire chapter away from the void fair on mad max like war rigs and through a storm in a desert and all that stuff was uh kind of you know our our, our answer to that problem mm -hmm. and then like the the whole like dwarven society is i'm not even quite sure where to say it's inspired from it's something that you and i had like talked about quite a bit like the inspiration is really i just just like classic D D dwarves but trying to like you know put our own spin on it and then also nick and i tend to spend a lot of time just like thinking through people's motivations and thinking like okay like we kind of know we want this person to do but now we need to like walk backwards and figure out like why they're trying to do that what that means like what implications there are um and kind of like letting the world and the story kind of inform each other back and forth a little bit for sure Something else that might be interesting 
that I think is like related to this question because it was put to both Nick and I um, as like a process thing, at least for a void fair. Um, the way that we often work is that Nick is kind of like the idea vomit. Um, and a lot of that is like, this really is like Nick's baby and he really has like the vision for it. Um, and if there's ever like a disagreement between Nick and I, like Nick is ultimately going to win because this is like his, like, it's his thing. Like my job as I see it is more that I'm like there to help Nick like refine his ideas or edit them down or just like, just like help him get the idea to a place where it's ready to put into the show. Um, but it's very much more like editorial than it is like a major, like creative initiative of my own in most cases. Yeah. We have, we have a very like right kind of process where I'll come in with the ideas and, and say like, here's kind of what I was thinking and then we'll bounce ideas back and forth and you'll have suggestions for like details on how to make it work and make sense and uh, feel right. And then just general being like that, that sounding board, because if like, if I have an idea and you don't think it makes a lot of sense, you'll let me know and, and we'll adjust it. Or even things like, I think it's too early to bring in this character from Luckbeak's backstory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I'll give notes like, like that, that. Uh, um, which is very valuable because like just having that, like, <laughs> Like feedback is a is just a great like checks and balances on just you know to keep my wild crazy ideas from <laughs> from running away with things you know yeah and that'd be like if I have like a recommendation to people wanting to do like creative teamwork is it does tend to work better in my experience if you have like the vision coming from a single person and then others who are involved are like helping to refine or like flesh out. Um, Cause otherwise it's like, like you don't want to have like conflicting visions there. Um, and if you do ha have like multiple visions in the same story, it helps to have like a clean separator for like, here's like this person's thing and here's the other person's thing. Otherwise it's like, it's just hard. Cause like, like people, who aren't the main visionary of something have to be like willing to let go and step back if it comes down to it. Yeah. And, and I mean, like I, I kind of uh, like the way that we do, it feels very much like the way like a showrunner for a television show would meet with writers, you know? Mm -hmm. um, That's a pretty good analogy. It works for us. Yeah. Um, cool. So the, the next question from Max is for Saker. And uh, he provided a question and then an alternative question if you don't want to get into his initial question on, you know, outside of the game. So um, I'll leave that up to you guys. You can answer it as, as much or as little as you like, and then we can hit on his other question as well. But for Saker, he asked, how do you feel about Luckbeak juggling so many lies about his past to his friends and crew? Um, and then alternatively, if you don't want to explore that out of game, uh, what gunslinger rules are you using for your <laughs> multi-class? Uh, yeah, I mean, let's, uh, I would be glad to handle both very quickly. As far as the second question is concerned, uh, I will Google 5e gunslinger and then ask Nick if it looks okay. And then he will say yes, <laughs> because I don't know shit about D&D, &D. uh, which I believe we're doing the uh, uh, Matt Mercer gunslinger, right, Nick? Yeah, the Matt Mercer gunslinger. Yes. Which so, I'm a fan of. I've played that myself. 
um, in the past, uh, and I'm a fan of it. it. It works well. Yeah, and I, I think, uh, I mean, Luckbeak has mentioned before, it's the perfect tool for a coward, uh, and uh, he's not going to um, be using it for offensive. So insofar as moves are concerned, I think they'll come up later, but lots of disarming and dazing strikes and stuff like that. Not a whole lot of HP damage, but a lot of setting up opportunities for his comrades. Yep. Um, insofar as the first question is concerned, juggling so many lies... This is an interesting one because I think it was obvious from the beginning that Luckbeak was a liar in some way, um, but his big lie has just been semi-exposed. Uh, and so I I haven't really been keeping any... This sounds like I'm Luckbeak now trying to explain myself, <laughs> but like, <laughs> I guess I, what I'm trying to say is that it hasn't been any work for me to keep anything because they didn't suspect anything. And therefore, it was fine to just pretend to be this person. Uh, and, uh, I mean, we got just a, a quick glimpse of uh, uh, the person that Merrick called Flapwing in the last episode. Um, I really love it. I love uh, games. I, I, fucking Lost, right? So, like, I love the mystery <laughs> box. I love big puzzle. Mm. Like, like. Oh, this was a. I love twists. I love like big twists, especially if retroactively they make a lot of sense. Um, and I think you'll find that uh, in the way I've been playing Luckbeak, uh, his his big twist once we find it out why he's doing what he's doing makes a lot of sense. And uh, I dropped a really big clue in my one shot uh, that will. Yeah, I was going to go that, back. And that listen will make to a that. lot more sense uh, once <laughs> once uh, things are out. Um, but I, I love it. I, I love lying. I love social deception. Uh, I love twists. So I was super into the idea of uh, playing someone I'm not for a really long time. I and I love fun. running D&D games that are very puzzle box twisty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there are things in the works that are only just now starting to uh, have some clues being a little bit more overt. But it's it's things I've been planning since day one. So. Oh, and, and speaking of, there have been times where I've intentionally, when Luckbeak is in a really panicked situation, it's usually just like a cry or something, but he'll he'll go from his drawl to like maybe just for a second, like his his other voice, uh, which uh, maybe in, in re-listen will, will be a little more obvious to listeners, but. Mm. Nice. Trying to pad our views. <laughs> you, you may have to listen to the yeah, whole go, saga go back six and or seven. Again. Yeah, yeah, you'll get it. Uh-huh. You gotta so. go back get those hidden Mickey's. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh-huh. So uh, next question from Max is for Tanner, and Max asks, uh, "What are your feelings about Marco's conflict between telling Val about her dad or visiting all of these interesting ruins slash places? And then again, if you don't want to explore that in game, what wizard spells or abilities are you most looking forward to?" Um, I'm going to answer both because question number one is very fascinating. Question number two can be answered pretty quickly, which is: Have you seen some of the higher level conjuration spells that exist? I mean, by the time that I get very high level, I'm going to be pulling fiends. Planar allies, I'm going to be able to shift us to different planes of existence. 
So I am looking forward to the mere concept of shit. I'm gonna have to prep so much more bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, of making Nick's life a living hell in a couple of levels. Um, Because yeah, I can like even uh, up to like six level spells being able to conjure allies. Seventh level spells being able just to teleport, create teleportation circles, plane shifts, (laughs) and just shift to another plane of existence. Um, Yeah, it's, it's just peace. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so the next time that you all are like hey how dare you not be a good friend marco deuces <laughs> and suddenly i'm in like a i don't know um magic the gathering world that we somehow ended up in ravnica i end up i'm just imagining like the meme where it's like the guy like throws up like deuces and then just yeah, fades right. out uh, that yeah. is <laughs> exactly what i was evoking like marco in a few levels yeah really um, but yeah um, if you just want an answer to the second question, just go to dndbeyond.com and just pull up the conjuration spells and look at anything fifth level down and you'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but in terms of the other question that's more story focused, um, this is going to be interesting. And it actually gets into what kind of Fiona said earlier about the fact that now Marco is kind of now pulled in a way he's never been pulled before one way towards his academic pursuits, which going to what's essentially seems to be the library of Alexandria of this universe versus telling the captain that he has an emotional attachment to as a friend. Um, your dad is somewhere, but I need you to go somewhere else first. Um, and the funny thing is, is that a lot of like Marco out of the three of us, I think has probably the most solid relationship with Val in terms of just get along with, um, the other two have sometimes pushed her a little bit stronger while Marco has been more or less on board with her stuff. And I think that that's, this might actually turn in some ways potentially into a confrontation because I think Marco's goal is going to be to try to convince Val, you need to set your dad aside for just a little bit of time so we can go do this, not just for the sake of me reading every book that I can get my hands on, um, but also the fact that what happened to Kratoria could potentially be happening thanks to this dwarven society that we talked about, too. Um, so, yeah, I think the next episode and Marco confronting Val is going to be very fascinating. Yeah, for sure. There is also the possibility that Marco just abstains from giving that information, which would dive even further into, um, you know... Who is Marco and what does Marco perceive as a relationship, which seems Mm -hmm. to be a big talking point. Justice uh, for for Hannah. Listen, (laughs) I I mean, Hannah's going to come up very soon, very, very, very soon, Um, especially after um, I think one of the characters mentioned that sending can go anywhere. Um, So, I mean, I've already talked to Nick a little bit about this, but. Like I said, I think Hannah is going to come into this in a very big way, in a very soon way, in ways that I probably do not know either. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited to explore that. I definitely have plans. Um. All right. So uh, then uh, Max's last question is for Fiona. Fiona, how does Ravnus feel about having and using a Githzerai blessing for so long? And then alternatively, uh, how does it feel to kill two Neothalids in a week? Hell yeah. Um, I I can answer both of those. Like the first one, sort of loosely. Um, So the important thing to understand about Ravnus is that she did not grow up in like traditional um, Githyanki society. Um, She's like basically aware because she wasn't like, you know, 
just hatched when she was taken away by the Pirate of Gith ships, but she was old enough to understand that there are deep prejudices, but also, like, the Pirate of Gith are not just Gith Yankee. They are Gith Yankee and Gith Sarai. Um, so she did interact quite a lot with Gith Sarai in her time uh, on those ships. And that's... Um, when I knew I wanted to play a Gith Yankee or Gith Sarai character, I did want to play... Um, a pirate of Gith specifically, because something I was like not wanting to really explore with my character who would be like in a protagonist situation is them being like deeply prejudiced against an entire society of people. Um, I think that is something that you can like explore and have it be, you know, done in like, you know, really eloquent ways and things like that. But I'm like, I'm not personally like comfortable with like exploring that. So I'm going to like, you know, Ravenous has her weird quirks with people and everything, but I don't want to uh, say that she, like, hates all gets her eye or something like that. So, so yeah, that's my sort of, like, in and out of game answer to that. Um, my other, my answer to how does it feel to kill two Neophalids in a week is it feels fucking great and Ravenous feels fucking great. Um, one of the things that I think is really a boon to D&D, so, like, I, I tend to play more, like, indie RPGs a lot more than I play D&D, and especially as a GM, I kind of, like, forget that there are rules and you need to, like, roll dice for stuff, um, so I don't do that very often most of the time, and in D&D, you are rolling dice all the time for everything, so, like, just by merit of having all those, you know, rolls where, like, nothing's happening or, you know, in a funny situation, like Ravnus keeps messing up, like specifically in front of Locke, even though she's this like great fighter and stuff like that. It's always like so fun and so satisfying to get those really big kills where like after like the fucking hundredth time you've like rolled the D20, all of a sudden you're killing this like massive Neothalid. So, yeah. So it feels good. It feels good. <laughs> yeah. But I, I would say with D&D in general, like the highs are higher and the lows are lower because like I, I had a friend yeah. who is just sort of getting into TTRPG and she played uh, a little D&D and a little masks with us. And once she played mass, she went back to D&D and she's like, I wish I could do cool stuff again. Because like, in, 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 in D &D, I mean, in mass, if you fail, you don't even really fail. Just bad th other bad things happen. But in D and D, she was just kept yeah. missing and whiffing, and she's like, "Oh, this sucks." Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it, it's so that you get those like super high cool yeah. moments where you where you kill two neothalids in a week. You also like just fuck up in front of Locke <laughs> yeah. all the time, and you get those like awesome hits and immediately like throw your sword across the room. Like it really is those super high highs yeah. and those really that can low be fun lows. Too. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then um, I think uh, I I have a question for you guys, and then that'll probably wrap up um, our episode here. Unless you're a patron, in which case we'll be doing an extended segment with a little bit more just random bullshit. I'm sure it's going to be just bad. Look, not bad. <laughs> Different. different. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so I mean, you've listened to the last hour. That just more. We're the same, <laughs> but didn't make the cut for the real. Right. <laughs> so, 
But before we get into that, um, I did have a, a just a question uh, that I wanted to uh, throw you guys your way. Um, at the end of this chapter is a big reveal that I've been looking forward to of the sudden appearance of these elithid nautiloids that just kind of swoop in out of nowhere and then leave as quickly as they came. And I wanted to know what your guys' thoughts and I guess kind of like what your characters are kind of thinking about that development. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I think I think with, with the statue of Adam Rain on this planet, uh, my thought is that you're setting up some sort of direct familial conflict between Val and her father, where her father is going to be, you know, the BBEG, perhaps. Um I think that that is going to be interesting to, you know, if that's true, to watch her kind of struggle uh, against nature um, with a father that she hasn't seen in a long time. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Luckbeak just he fucking is obsessed with, you know, his own personal shit right now. So he he could be checked out from he didn't even know he was he was meeting a lick. So it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We need to stop Mm. calling it that. (laughs) And a looking good it. time. Uh. Um, so I'll I'll try to tackle it next. Um, from Marco's perspective, everything is alien to him, like by sheer virtue of where he comes from. So this is um, probably like the he's like the least surprised out of everybody, but just the most fascinated because suddenly this thing that was no longer there suddenly just appears and apparently. We were the only ones who really had a good sight on all of that going down and just making a worm the size of a fucking planet just go. So uh, Marco is endlessly fascinated on what's going on and just needs to know more Um, for my own. um, This is certainly especially this season is building in a certain way where we had this, um, you know, like this dig site with this underground mind flayer civilization. Um, And then you also have the fact that we were. For whatever reason, we got what involved into an ancient Githzerai ritual that bound us all together, and the Gith are hated enemies of the Mind Flayer. It certainly seems to be very much building and building um, to what I'm going to assume is a pretty big explosion of information very soon. Yeah, and I will uh, finish it up. Um, I mean... You know, if I'm moving away from, like, the Githzerai being, like, something that Ravnus is um, deeply and irrevocably, like, prejudicial towards the the Mind Flayers, I was like, they're not really called squids. What are they called? <laughs> the, <laughs> um, the squids, like, the, the Mind Flayers are, like, something so, like, inherently monstrous and evil that it's, like, hard for her to even um comprehend like i'm sure from for the direction that marco is going to come through that this is something like interesting that like needs to be studied um because she is like deeply deeply disturbed by everything that's going on and um if she somehow is able to see these like secret mind flares going around it's going to uh very quickly become her life's mission to destroy them. And uh, I think it'll be interesting to see where she places like um, basically all other aspects of her being when she now sees that she has this advantage on mind flayers, at least in her own mind. 
So yeah, Ravenous is gonna try to kill more things. Kill more things. <laughs> Marco will study the bodies. It's a good pairing. <laughs> yeah. Ravenous is our closest thing to like a murder hobo. Um <laughs> <laughs> We call this a field dissection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. excited for the next chapter. It's going to be so cool. Yeah, same. We have plans. Um, and I'm super excited. I, I'm going to get to know my, my girlfriend as a raft <laughs> better. I'm also excited for that. <laughs> One step closer to turtle soup. <laughs> Azeroth is now committed into figuring out the fuck is going on with you three that you have some sort of sacred Githzerai thing yeah. going on that you shouldn't. They're going to fight again. And with, um, oh, fuck. What was the sword called? I did write oh, it down. Oh, my like, Whatever God. the sword was called. Unreal. Extrospect. 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 With extrospect. She's going. She's going to beat like Ezrath and like with extra respect, like tilt her chin up at her. That very like you know that very sapphic situation. That's that's what I'm going towards. That's my like personal player goal. Nah, uh, um, I dig it. <laughs> I I did remember that there was a name. That is improvement. <laughs> yeah, baby steps. <laughs> baby steps. Baby so. steps. Alrighty, with that, <laughs> I think that wraps up this episode of. Voidfarer Uncharted. And if you're a patron, um, keep a lookout for an extra 30 minutes or so of more of this nonsense. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And the next episode is going to be uh, something new. We are going to be doing interludes elsewhere in Crot Space with some guests, little mini solo one shots, um, exploring some new characters uh, in some different corners of the setting. So keep an eye out for that. And then we'll be picking up with chapter five, the episode after that. So yeah. Um, bye. <laughs> bye everybody. Bye. Thanks okay. for listening. Hey everyone, Nick here. As we mentioned earlier in the episode, Project Derailed has officially launched their Patreon. So if you enjoy the content that we're creating, like Tales of the Voidfarer or our other shows like Big Streaming Pile and Fables Around the Table and the other nerdy content that we're creating over at projectderailed.com, we would love it if you would consider becoming a patron. And you can do so by going to patreon.com slash projectderailed. And if you do become a patron, one of the perks that you will receive is extended Q&A episodes like this one. And as they say, the first one is free. So enjoy this extended Voidfarer Uncharted for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show.
welcome. If you're listening to this, uh, thank you for supporting us on Patreon. Thank you. Thank you. This is this is a new thing. We just launched Patreon, so this is, I think, our first foray in creating specific Patreon exclusive content. So, um, feel special. <laughs> and of course, thank you for your support. Um, so, uh, if you listen to the regular uh, Uncharted episode, um, you kind of know what you're getting yourself into now, uh, and it's only going to be downhill from here. But anyway, um, it's it's all the usual people. You know who we are by now, and uh, yeah. I didn't really think through this intro at all. I didn't write anything oh. down. <laughs> I couldn't tell. Only quality for our, for our patrons. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, so the only thing I had planned, and we can see what this spirals into, is um, a segment for our podcast, because th- this is a podcast that has segments now. Um, and this is a segment I'm calling, Who's That NPC? Because Tales of the Void Fair has a lot of NPCs. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> But the way this game will work is uh, I have a list of NPC names that 100% for sure have appeared or been mentioned um, over the course of the campaign thus far. And we're going to see how good our players and Tom, because Tom can play along as well. I don't know a goddamn thing. Uh, how good they oh are <laughs> at remembering who these characters are. <laughs> this is going to be really bad. Yeah, yeah. Who's ready to play? I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, no. So can, uh, we, can we use our notes? No. No. <laughs> that is against the spirit of the game. Should we have been taking notes? Is that um, something that we should do? My notes, <laughs> as, as evidenced by how often I have no idea what's going on, I do not take very good notes. My notes are all about really bad things. <laughs> Extra spect? What? <laughs> how, how do you calculate your jump distance? <laughs> how many times have we done that? Too many. I, I have it written in pen on my sheet now, so hopefully no more. <laughs> Um, so some of these are harder than others. So the name of the game is just tell me who this character is bonus points. If you could tell me what episode, which is super oh, extra no. hard mode. <laughs> All right. So, and then I guess just sh- shout out if you know it. Yeah. Do we, how do we ring in? What noise do we make? Burp. Burp. <laughs> I'm going to burp. I like, yeah. Just yeah, I, like, I like buzzing in because then you don't like say it and then everyone else is like, oh, I totally know it too because they heard you. So I like buzzing I've, in. I mean, this is who's line style. I'm not, I'm not checking points or anything. <laughs> I, uh, okay, because I was going to cheat. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and like, even if you could buzz in, I'm not like, I have my notes in front of me, not Discord, so I wouldn't even be able to like see who's who the fuck is making a burr sound because, you know, just talking burr. is so much more distinctive than just people just going burr, burr into the microphone. Burr. <laughs> I'm burping your speech, Nick. Burp yeah, next, feel free to burp. sample that for your next trap track. Oh, oh Jesus like that. All we have to do is say like so. Tanner burps or <laughs> Saker well, burps. Do you, yeah, do you? Okay. How about we yell our character name? That's how we ring in. <laughs> oh, Sounds good. What does Tom yell? Yeah, I won't know anything, so it's fine. Tom yells omniscience. Omniscience. Uh, that's his character name. God. Uh huh. All right. Are we ready for the first character? Yeah. Yeah. Zillin Shade Thicket. 
Oh, oh uh, uh, Marco. Uh, he is uh he's the guy who's with um our arch like trio. Oh fuck. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> the gnome. Exactly he's the he gnome. I, yeah, because it's Silence of Starlight, Braddock, and that dude. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yep. He's the unremarkable one of that group. Yeah. Well, it, it's a, <laughs> the better part of like two seasons for me to get his name. <laughs> I used yeah. him in my one shot and I took me like a really long time. Like, oh yeah, that's who he is. I remember that. I, 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 I hate now, all three of them, but I also kind of miss them. I would not have been able to recall that name from memory, but as soon as you said it, I knew who it was. It is a very distinctive name. Yeah. Uh, does anybody know what, what was the first episode he appeared in? Episode one. Uh, it was the first episode. One, one yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah episode he just one. wasn't named. Yeah, he wasn't named until like, I think chapter three is when yeah, he you wasn't... guys actually like got his name. He was named in my notes. It just, it never came up. The silence was too busy hitting on everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Silence and Braddock were doing Silence and Braddock things. Yeah. So... Until yeah. like I approached them at a pub though, and uh-huh. then I was like, "Who the fuck are you?" Uh-huh. He is <laughs> he is a College of Shadows bard, so like he is designed to stay in the background. Mm, noted. So. There's the deep lore. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, next character, Arthur Gallen. Oh fuck! Luckbeak. Yes. Uh, he's the proprietor of. Uh, it's a milk store, I think, on the Deer Anchorage called Gallons. Uh, and, um, you said it with such confidence, man. Jugs. Yeah, well, that's because uh, I'm right, Tanner. Uh, and uh, I think I bought banana milk from him, if I'm curious. Episode 1 3. Uh, yeah, no. Mm, I, I, I mean, I love that AU, but that's not the correct answer. Is it bad that I was like believing it for a second? <laughs> well, he was very confident at the I've, beginning, but then he once got to the milk store, I was yeah, like, oh, we're, I was we're, like, we're. I don't know about that one. But uh-huh. you um, really I will, me. I will say, I'll give you the clue here um, that I left out his nickname. His his full name, including his nickname, is Arthur Doc Gallant. Oh shit! Yeah, no, I I know Doc. I just forgot that he had a first name. <laughs> yeah. Well, Luckbeak called him Art for like most of that episode. <laughs> I did. Yeah, <laughs> sounds right. Yeah, that was the only like I I, I thought it would have been an unfair inclusion had I had it not been for that detail. And I'm <laughs> like, ah, he might remember it because of that. <laughs> All right, so no points. Same as last round, no points. Because we're not doing points. I would have totally gotten that one if our microphone didn't shit the bed. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, and then if anybody's interested, uh, Arthur Doc Gallen um, first appeared in episode 2-1. Mm. First episode of chapter two, Rats in Respite. Um, all right. Uh, next name, Gagrock. What? <laughs> that was a bugbear who was that uh, sounds like a chapter out. two or a chapter three name i'm gonna say it's it, chapter two or chapter three one of the workers at that house of pleasures place mm, oh come on yeah, now disgusting <laughs> no I'm, I'm still following the 16 level i'm sorry yeah no no i'm officially buzzing in is it that bugbear who was outside the uh the Kindori's Bugbear cradle outside of Kindori's like the, the bouncer. No, it's not. Am I remembering that right? There was like a bugbear bouncer. 
Oh, you're thinking of uh the block and tackle. The block, yeah, right, you're right, right, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that's not, that's not. Um, I, I actually right. don't remember that one's name. <laughs> but, uh, but no, that's not. Gagrock is not, not that character. Okay. So legit, like this time, actually pull, legit though. guess. Um, is it the Hadozi that we chased down that one episode? It's not. Damn, I'm spent. All right, it is the ogre. From the hold of the Stoic Jesus Gondolier Christ. back in episode one one. Oh. <laughs> I was deep cut there. Yeah. 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 Shit, so- these are these are like hard. You're like I feel like you're like making us look better by giving us extremely hard ones. Because <laughs> if you were like if you were like, who's like the other riggers on the ship, I'd be like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, I could throw some of those at you if you want. No, no, no make that. us look good. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next one, uh, Emmeline Munt. Oh, okay. So I, I, oh my God, I'm trying to think who it was because all I remember was that you stole my character's name. Uh huh. And I'm trying to, so it was someone, it was someone recently. Um, cause I remember being like, you totally, so someone from chapter four. Ah, uh, fuck. I'm gonna guess it's chapter four, episode three, but I don't know who it is. I, Emmeline Munt was Robin Kendall's, like, nom de plume when she wrote, uh, like, body romance novels uh, in her spare time <laughs> on the Void Fair. Is that correct? Uh, uh no. And she first close. appeared in one, two... It was close, two... close. Okay, all right, all right. Real close. Um... No, Emmeline Munt was one of the GIF that Locke killed. Oh. Ooh. Spicy. I, that one will stick in my head because I know I heard it recently. Yeah. Which yeah. I, was I was thinking it was someone at the dig site, but that was a that good was, one. So I have, I have mentioned in episode four, nine. I don't know if that's accurate because I've also like copy pasted Locke's backstory in like eight of my episode notes <laughs> because I didn't know what episode it was going to come up in. Uh, but I, I think it was four nine is when. All right. Uh, next name, Albion silk song. <laughs> <laughs> I was about Again. to say these all sound like fake names, but it's D and D. So like, they, yeah, they, they all are fake names. Names. Yeah. 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 Congrats. <laughs> That name's ringing in my head, though. That's the problem, is that that one sounds very familiar. That's uh, Nick's candle on OnlyFans. <laughs> may may I ask me. for a hint? Um, it is it is a character that Marco... I, I would like to phone a friend. <laughs> is, um, is it one of the, uh, the Seekers? The, the Council Seekers? It is one of the 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 members of the Seekers Council. Yes, yes. Um, nice. I can't remember which one it is, but I was like, that, that's where it's locked in my head. I mean, I think that that I mean that's, that's, like that's, an yeah, that's pretty good. That's, that's an answer. answer. He was the he was the Tiefling Bard. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. So okay. and that was episode three four. Okay, I got one. Yeah. Again, we're not we're not the. Everything's made up in the points don't matter. We got the first one and it was all downhill from there. The right. lowest scoring will be kicked off the show in favor of Colleen. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. The next one. Jenkins. Oh, uh, Luckbeak. Uh, he's the one that's uh-huh. uh, 
on the uh, the train traveling to when Taco and Merle and they fight Jenkins. He's the conductor. Um, <laughs> in uh, yeah, Arc Two, Murder on Rockward Port Limited. Uh huh. Am, am, am I correct? Uh, I want to see I, the game. I think game you tripped making. and fell into the wrong podcast. Okay, my bad. Sorry. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that, great reference, though. Well, you made it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did, did anybody else have any guesses? Um, uh, is that a hamster guy? No, it's not the hamster guy. What was the name? Is it the guy Jenkins. that I uh, made a contact with on the Deer Anchorage? No, that's a good guess, though. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, a very similar scenario. Um, the reason his name is just jenkins is because it was a character that i made up on the spot <laughs> um was he the and, guy at the uh, warehouse no no it was on nadir anchorage he was the drunk in the gilded lily oh oh jesus episode, in the third episode wow wow yep so goes to show I, how much we remember about well I, 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 I was intentionally pull there's a lot of npcs and i was intentionally pulling like really obscure ones that's fair <laughs> i was not trying to be fair here <laughs> uh the next name is no- nozok shoot i know that one's in my notes i remember writing it down i'm gonna cheat i'm, I'm just I'm gonna cheat <laughs> <laughs> This is her literal notebook, which I feel is less uh-huh. cheating than if she was like looking yeah. at like, a document. Control F. Well, the other <laughs> the other problem is that I write all of the NPC names in IPA, so there's a lot of like random IPA notes that like takes my brain a second to like. <laughs> Do not wait wait up for me. I, I'm, I'm gonna take a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, if no one has any guesses, none. Is this one the the bugbear? Is this bear? the Hadozi that we tackled? It's not the bugbear. It is the is, Hadozi. Oh. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, uh Nozak, Nozak was the the Hadozi Nazak that we Hadozi. works. Mm. Yeah, he works yeah, for the Zena Syndicate. August 26, 2019. Wow. Nasdaq Hadozi wow. Space Gorilla Angry is what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, can, one of- and can glide that was that was also something i wrote yeah. as a hadozi <laughs> he can do that and right All underneath right. that it says suzerain so lord only knows what was happening <laughs> <laughs> yeah well the suzerain's his boss that is probably like one of my most like favorite scenes in the entire series is that chase because mm-hmm. it it displayed all three of our characters so well yeah, yeah. i also I- wrote down that marco bought a stupid hat that he didn't need <laughs> this is what That's i mean my the, notes are pretty trip, useless <laughs> trip down memory lane though. whatever happened to that yeah. hat marco he it's gave it to the, the kids oh yeah he did give, i did give yeah. it to i gave it to riley Aww. yeah who immediately threw it in the trash yeah, <laughs> <laughs> remember so. when we like had the kids with us all the time those are fun times uh-huh. riley, riley and adgar i know their yeah. names yeah yeah proud of you <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is the last name I had prepared. Uh but if we like this game, I can dig up more. Uh oh, I do. but <laughs> uh this name is Trifosa Elderforge. Elderforge uh lends itself to potentially being a warforged. What well, you know what? I will uh, Luckbeak. Okay. This is the guy who I talked to uh at Storm's Eye who offered to sell me uh the 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 breastplate that Ravenous bought for me. No. Damn it. 
<laughs> I feel like if I do say things with conviction, you'll just say yes yeah. and be nice to me. Yeah. <laughs> no, like... no, but honestly, honestly, though, I was trying to think of like who you were confusing this character <laughs> with. Like, so like the, you definitely got the conviction part down because I, <laughs> okay. I was even like, oh, I don't remember that, but I know that's not the answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got confused because everything else he's been saying has been lies. And then I had to go through the, <laughs> well, that did actually occur. Is he correct? Uh, <laughs> this is what Saker means when he says he likes to lie. <laughs> this is why, when I say I'm good at social deduction games, no one can tell my lies from my truth. Uh, any other guesses? Nah. Nope. Not a one. Trifosa Elderforge was the dwarf compatriot to Cyrus. And she was she was specifically uh, an expert in hunting mind flares. Hmm. And she didn't that, end up in that a was ring episode so four seven. Cyrus. From the ring. I said she. Well, oh, oh, she oh, didn't end up okay. in the ring. So uh, Fiona's like, who's Cyrus? <laughs> I haven't talked to him. I'm the only one who hasn't talked to him. <laughs> I tried to say it all quiet so the mic wouldn't pick it up. <laughs> no. We heard, and you know what? So did all of our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so did the three listeners who are patrons. So did Colleen, and yeah. that's why I should be ashamed yeah. because Colleen heard. Colleen expected better from you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like we've been we've been shouting out Colleen a lot, but uh, Alan is another patron of ours. Alan, uh, so, hey, Hi, thanks, Alan. Alan. Thank you, Alan. Um, yeah. So. Um, yeah, so those are all the names I had prepared. I th- you guys did exactly as well as I thought you would. <laughs> <laughs> A brutal burn. Yeah, that was pretty brutal. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, does anybody see questions that are jumping out to them that they want to tackle? You said I have to go look at my phone now. Well, well I okay, so I, I will say I have an extremely long answer to Cliff. Okay. <laughs> Cliff asked us, like trolly quest. I mean, they're not trolly, but they're based on what he thinks that we are interested in, which is so insulting to me. <laughs> I think uh, the funny thing is, is that I've probably put way too much thought into Cliff's question than I probably should have. Oh, I put way too much thought into it I too. Know. Like we all just spent way too much brain power thinking about like Cliff knows one thing about <laughs> me. Did. He's gonna ask about it. <laughs> uh. Yeah, he asked us about like our other projects that he knows that we do, and we were all like, "I am hyper interested <laughs> in this one thing." You are correct. <laughs> um, so I didn't put any. Uh, I didn't. I didn't do any uh, thought thinking about this ahead of time. So we'll just wing it when we get to mine, I guess. So um, yeah, let's talk. Let's tackle Cliff's questions. Well, okay, uh, Nick, can I ask you this? Because there's sure. five of us, and. As Fiona said, we all put way too much thought into these, or at least us three did. Should we just like list it off and just say this is the thing, or should we actually go into deep? Because that could be the rest of the episode. <laughs> all right. I think we should try um, and keep it. All right. All right. We, keep we, it concise. Yeah. Um, Fiona, do you want to go first because you've been thinking about it? Sure. We've all been thinking about ours, but I like. <sighs> So I did this whole am- the question like wrong because that spun off to two additional questions that I also had to answer. 
So I will answer. Okay. Do you want to tell us what the, the question is first? Yes. I will okay. tell you what the, what, this is what the actual question is. It's what bad movie on streaming services would each PC be? And that is a reference to our other podcast, Big Streaming Pile, where we talk about bad movies that are available for free on streaming services. But I thought way too hard about this question. So my answer for the initial question is, for just bad movies on streaming services, they're all available for free. Luckbeak would be Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. Ooh, I'll take it. <laughs> Hell yeah. That movie's glorious. That rules. <laughs> that is my favorite Fast S- and the save, Furious movie. Save, save your questions for the end. Nope. Okay. <laughs> no questions. <laughs> so I, so I, I will say that basically every single one of these movies I listed, I do legitimately love, but my criteria was that it has under 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, which uh-huh. is like, our loose criteria for the show. Uh, fair. Um, Marco is Atlantis, available mm, on Disney Plus. Mm, Pretty yeah. obvious, I think. That's, yeah, that's, that's very fair. This is going to throw everyone through through a loop, I think. After much consideration, Ravnus is the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn <laughs> Part 2. Specifically, Part 2. And like as as a group, we are we are uh, Suicide Squad, which is available <laughs> on HBO Max. Ah, I see it. But but then I had I had to answer two additional questions, which was which Fast and the Furious movies would each of us be, and which Twilight movies would each of us be? Jesus Christ! <laughs> there so are I'm no going bonus to like, I'm going points. To, <laughs> There's no extra credit, Fiona. <laughs> I'm going I'm going to go through them really fast, and people can talk to me on Discord if they want to know my like exact thoughts. I guess so. Fast and Furious movies, Luckbeak, like I said, mm-hmm. Tokyo Drift. Marco is Fate of the Furious. Ravnus is the Fast and the Furious, like the first one. And the group is Fast and Furious 6. <laughs> now, the Twilight Saga is where there are twists in our tale. <laughs> wow, I love how deep this is going. Jesus Christ. So the you obvious one is that Luckbeak is New Moon. Oh, uh, yeah. The obvious. obvious. Oh, obvious. Uh, yeah. Ridiculous. Luckbeak is obviously New Moon. <laughs> yeah. The twist is here where Marco is... Breaking Dawn Part 2 oh. instead of Ravnus. I switched them. And then I put Ravnus as Eclipse and the group as a whole is the original Twilight, which I think does have over 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, but like I had already thought about this too hard. So. <laughs> um, Fiona, that is. I do have a question. <laughs> yes. Okay. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I, can't, I can't explain. Like, honestly, like I, I put two of like my favorite movie franchises in there, and I'm like, well, I have to answer that now. And like, I blame Cliff for really. Oh, sure. We all do. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. But yeah, um, yeah. I think that Ravnus being uh, Breaking Dawn Part Two, and then not being that in the Twilight round, I think is the wildest decision I've made um, recently. That is pretty erratic. <laughs> Uh, but but you yeah. didn't go through and and give us all a uh, a Disney movie, whereas Marco is Atlantis. No, that that would have been like too much. I stopped myself on giving like Disney movies and like DC movies because I was like that's gonna be too much. <laughs> but like Fast and the Furious, and also so many of those movies are like good, whereas like Fast and the Furious and Twilight are like pretty universe not universally, but like pretty well reviled enough that I'm like I feel pretty okay like. These are our sagas that we are going Bet through. Bet you could have done that. Bet you could have done DC movies if you want universally reviled. <laughs> look, 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 we gotta we gotta save some stuff 
but for behind the Patreon paywall. Ah, uh, sure. Like, but, uh, we, yeah. can't, we can't give it all. I have thoughts. <laughs> I have so many thoughts. I can, uh, I can take Cliff's question because I think Mike is, is while well, still put way too much thought into, it, can be answered pretty straightforward. Um, Cliff asked me, "What phase of obtaining a PhD would each PC be?" <laughs> Which I find hilarious for <laughs> Cliff. I guess knowing that I am going for one. Um, because the the quick answer that I just immediately gave is they're not. Um, Marco is a tired grad student, and Ravnus and Luckbeak were smart enough not to go to grad school. Um, but I was like, that's not really... It, I think what uh, Cliff's asking, it's more or less like, what journey are they at, like, perfecting their craft? And in that one, I was like, I think that, like, Ravnus is still kind of coming into her own a little bit. Like, she's getting close and kind of, like, opening up to these new powers... Marco is way, way back of probably where he'd like to be. Um, and Luckbeak, from at least my perspective, from my perspective, is pretty well got a PhD in, in being um, a bardish kind of roguish figure. Um, he's he's really good at what he does. <laughs> I mean, the twist is that I just bought my PhD on eBay. But I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that- I have one. <laughs> I, I was going to say, Luckbeak is, like, the one who gets their PhD, but somehow, like, never presents at a conference <laughs> or anything like that. That was what I was going to say for Luckbeak. I like that. Yeah, that's, Luckbeak's, like, the line from Community. I thought you had a PhD from Columbia. It's like, well, I did, but now I need to get one from America. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I mean, my... So so everybody else's is relatable. Everybody has seen movies. Everybody understands what school <laughs> is. Cliff asked me, Saker, what Bare Naked Ladies song would each PC be? <laughs> so, uh, Nick, I don't know. Put a put a link to the YouTube videos for each of these three songs in the uh, in the show notes or some shit. I don't know. Um If Justin McElroy does not come out and like <laughs> sing them to us like he did on your show. I quit. <laughs> uh Well, Colleen, welcome to the cast of Void Fair because you're yeah. <laughs> taking over the part of Ravnus. Um, so uh, I think it's uh, very obvious uh, that Ravnus is, of course, I saw it from Brannaked Ladies All in Good Time, uh, their first uh, album without Steve. Uh, it's about um, uh, a formative childhood moment uh, when you finally stand up to your childhood bully. Uh, and, uh, you know, d- do what you have to do, uh, possibly kill them and bury them underneath a playground if uh, mine and my co-host Evan's interpretation of it is uh, at all correct. Uh, which I could see, uh, you know, Ravnus having that sort of formative experience perhaps in her past. Um, all right. Marco is uh, curious from the Brannigan Ladies children's album Snack Time, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is, uh, you know... As lines like, if I climb a tree just to see what I see, does that make me curious? Uh, And, uh, you know, after a while, the song sort of descends into, uh, you know, silliness. But uh, lines, you know, like, the freedom you feel is the whole part of the deal, so curious I'll be. Um, I mean, his curiosity kind of defines his character, even to the point of, uh, I don't know, uh, ignoring and turning his back on his previous life and all of his friends there and uh, never talking to them again. Um, you know, <laughs> his, his, his curiosity is who he is. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, Luckbeak is everything had changed from, uh, Bare Naked Ladies are men, 
I think I can't remember what album it's on, uh, which is a very sad song um, about living a life alone because being with other people hurts too much until one day you find somebody and uh, everything changes and it opens up and uh, and and uh, friends friends start to mean everything to you. So that song Aww. is about you know making friends with a giant hippo person. That's and everything yeah. changes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> really? so. I thought it was weird that uh, I mean he could find a rhyme for lock in the lyrics. Um, it, it is yeah. literally about this game. I assume that's what you based this whole arc off of. Uh, it, it really was. You 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 figured it out. Gotcha. <laughs> anyway, uh, Cliff asked me what kind of beers would each of the PCs be, and I did not put any thought into this until this very <laughs> moment. Uh, like a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> however, um, I think that Marco is a German style pilsner, pale yellow in color, nice, clear, crisp, um, great on a summer day, very drinkable. Um, I think Ravnus is a Russian imperial stout, strong, yeah. bitter, but with a warm roastiness <laughs> to it. And I think uh, Luckbeak is a fruit goza, fruity, citrusy, uh, like a tartness to it, but then have a salty finish. Wow. One of the only beers I like, Nick. Congratulations. Good job. (laughs) I love I love goza. So that's my answer. So we we just gauntleted all of Cliff's questions. Oh, Tom Tom has one. There's still one left. Tom has one. Yeah, I have one. Yeah. I, for, I forgot Tom Okay, so here. mine was what kind of spirit would each PC be? And spirit, but what Cliff means here is like alcoholic spirits, like whiskey, tequila, that kind of thing. Ooh. Not that type of spirit. <laughs> the good type of spirit. <laughs> <laughs> and my answers, which I've only sort of thought about, are I think um, Marco is like a Canadian rye whiskey, but like a good Canadian rye whiskey. Like something with like a lot of like softness and also like some nice like spice notes um but not like aggressively spiced but just like kind of like nice and rich and almost a little creamy um then ravness is an isla scotch um so maybe like a little Freud or something. Hell yeah. Like she's just there to really everyone everyone just picks my favorite drinks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah so like like a drink that's really you know it's an acquired taste, and it's really going to toss you around. But if you like it, you like it. And then I think Luckbeak... Luckbeak is the one I had the hardest time with. Um, but I think Luckbeak is some type of gin. Mm. <laughs> Not necessarily a London Dry. I'm thinking, like, maybe, like, an Old Tom gin or something. Like, something with a little bit more um, rawness to it than, like, a London Dry, which is very refined. Um... So maybe Luckbeak is like a like a prohibition era bathtub. <laughs> Weirdly insulted, but I'm into it. <laughs> I nice. love it. <laughs> so now we've gauntleted all of Cliff's questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we did it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, I didn't have anything else planned. Uh, was there uh, any anything else you guys want to talk about? Any any cool comments about the chapter? Um, or anything you guys are looking forward to, or uh, just you know what? How how, how you guys been? <laughs> I'm excited for these interludes. I think they're gonna be fun. <laughs> I'm excited for the Hamtaro themed interlude that's about Tashi. 
God, oh, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Tashi's Grand Adventure. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's going to be adorable. <laughs> no, real like, I'm still wondering what Hannah's going to say when she realizes that you couldn't even think of an original pet name and you just stole her pet's name. That's like, your pet. oh, oh my God. <laughs> that's her pet's name? Her Man, owl that was is her, named that was her, uh, Wow. Yeah. I think it, yeah, Mark, Mark would be like, it was so I could at least have something to remember you by. You have the message spell. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to talk about that. That's going to be addressed. And I'm actually really looking forward to that. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, yeah. That's one of my favorite moments of the show is like, <laughs> Ravness and Luckbeak, like going from like, oh, Marco's this like sweet bean to like, what do you mean you left your friend on Toral? <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I lean into it a little too much. I got to back off a little bit. Marco's a good boy. Marco is Marco a good boy. That was, that was the first time that I think that Luckbeak and Ravness really bonded. It was over that. <laughs> yeah, over dragging Marco. I love that. Yeah. You're both beating Marco, be like, yeah, we can be friends. <laughs> I don't want to give too much away, but uh, I'm really looking forward to Roger's interlude. Mm. How many How many little mini stories are there, Nick? There's going to be three. Okay. That's exciting. So uh, we originally planned four, but we dropped one because of uh, reasons. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, that character will will still um, show up somewhere. Okay. Um, but so we're gonna, we're doing three. Um, and it's uh, 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 our friend Roger, who's currently on Fables Around the Table Lost, who plays Odell Torres. And then uh, Caitlin, who plays uh, Posey on uh, Fables Around the Table Lost, uh, is playing another character for an interlude. And um, then uh, our buddy Garrett, who was on Fables Around the Table Curse, playing Alistair. So... Um, he you was know, also a scarecrow in Lost very briefly. That's right. So I guess if you've also been listening to Fables Around the Table. Um, you know all these people. <laughs> you know all these people. <laughs> and you're so. all writing your letters to have me start DMing the show instead of Nick. <laughs> <laughs> but then who would take over? Fiona will take over. Yeah. I, I don't want to. I can't do this. I, I'm not like a spelljammer person obviously (laughs) suddenly tales of the void fair is like a whimsical like spooky fairy tale out of nowhere yeah uh, it's never it's a lot it's a lot more about space hamsters (laughs) and like (laughs) it's like where the rest of like fairy crew go and i'm like i don't know (laughs) it's it's kitten witches but everybody's space hamster (laughs) sounds good to me all right um well i think that is a good place to wrap things up. Um, so again, thank you f- to our patrons for supporting Project Derailed and Tales Around Tales Around the Table. Wow, um, it's late. Table's around Nick's ass. Tom, Jesus Christ, Tom. Yeah, Fables Around the Table. We made the hardest yep. names possible for our podcast. I know, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's not as bad. Sure. As in college, when I was in a band called The Other Band. That's very good. <laughs> that was an absolute nightmare. That's Especially because most of the shows we played were the types of shows that had like seven bands. So it'd be like, who's on next? The Other Band. <laughs> we just like reenacted who's on first every single yeah. show we played. Jesus. <laughs> oh my god, I love The it. big troll energy. <laughs> All but right. really, you just trolled yourself. Yeah. In the end, 
Yeah. So, all righty. Uh, let's uh, put an end to this. Uh, let's <laughs> let's put this show out of its misery finally. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, like like Luckbeak. No, uh, oh, uh, putting that you know, guy down, Jesus let, Christ! Yeah, putting that guy down. Look at oh, the sunset. Dwarf, yeah. Isn't the oh. sunset so pretty? Yeah, oh. look at the flowers. Uh, hey, look at those! <laughs> look at those iTunes reviews charts. Ain't they beautiful? <laughs> uh, yeah, look at S Town. Somehow still in the top fifty. Yeah, just keep looking at S Town. <laughs> All right. And, uh, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna slowly fade it out while you're doing it. <laughs> okay, okay, good. <laughs> all right. So, all right, everybody, thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. ProjectDerailed.com